I'm sure you know this already, but the Bible's full of great advice, great commands, difficult truths, etc. I have camped out over the last, what, 12, 13 weeks in Titus, and there's plenty to go for in that part of the Bible that has to do with women. I was in a Bible study at church, and it covered very slowly several of the verses in Titus 2 on um, what older women are to teach younger women and the values of that. And then I was in another Bible study, which I'm like double up uh, uh, in two Bible studies at once, which is really rare for me, honestly, because I can't remember the last time I was in a quote Bible study in a formal sense since probably college. I mean, and that's been a while, <laughs> just in case you didn't know my age. It's been a while. Both of these Bible studies were fantastic and complemented one another really well. The second one that I was in, oh, sorry, the first one I was in is a book by um, Nancy Lee DeMoss before she got married and Mary Cassian called True Woman 2.0. Yes, there's a 1.0. Our church was doing the um, 2.0 study and it was more on the activities, the behaviors, the attitudes of a true woman, meaning a biblical woman's mindset, and then what that behavior then would look like, right? The other one that I was in was not through church, but through um, a woman named Eleanor Mayen, and she um, is a long-term respected older woman in my life, and I've never been a part of her Bible studies before, but I have been kind of informally mentored by her and her husband through discipleship programs that they have written down for raising children and for marriage. So I was eager to be a part of her Bible study on um, what is a biblical woman, wife, and mother. I have been very bombarded in the best sense by what God's Word says about being a godly wife, mother, and woman. And then what does it mean to be a true woman, a biblical woman? And I discovered a lot of things. I'm sure God has way more to tell me, but you can only ingest so much at one time, right? So I just wanted to share a little bit about that compared to something that I heard this week from another mom's lips. And it's just the voice of an overwhelmed mom. And so I just wanted to speak to that today. Okay, so first things first, I'm just going to read part of Titus 2. I'm going to read Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. And this was the passage that the Bible study at church covered. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, I'm going to read a different version now. I wanted to read three versions for you. That was the King James Version. Now I'm going to read the 
New American Standard, verse 3, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Okay, now I'm going to read the Holman Christian Standard Version. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine. They are to teach what is good, so they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, kind, and submissive to their husbands, so that God's message will not be slandered. Man, can't argue with that. Although many people do, right? And I used to. I'm like, submissive to their husbands? What is that about homemakers? Yeah, I really have struggled with this passage, especially before I was married, which is kind of funny to think about because I wasn't in the position of needing to do it. But I just was like, wait a minute, do I want to get married? Do I want to Um, be in that position where I have to wrestle with this verse. I'm an older woman to someone and a younger woman to someone. So guess what? This whole section applies to my life, which is a little mind-blowing. So I have to deal with all of it, right? I have to be reverent in behavior, not slander or gossip, not being addicted to much wine. I have to teach what is good. I have to encourage young women to love their husbands, love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, workers at home, kind, submissive, but you get the idea. I have to do all that stuff. And it's a little like, whoa, I'm responsible to not only encourage younger women in the things that the scripture says, but I'm still needing to be encouraged in those things. I still need to be encouraged to love my own husband and my children and to be self-controlled and contented, you know, with working at home and being submissive, all those things I need encouragement in. So how am I supposed to encourage younger women myself when I am so in that space? There are many kinds of discipleship. And I just learned that, yeah, there's a lot of ways that I've been discipled. People often think about, and I know I did, think about discipleship in terms of I have to meet with this person at the same time every week. We're going to go through a program. It's going to last forever. She's going to be like my mentor, my discipler. And it has to be an older woman that I respect. And we get along great. And we're always looking for times to be together, right? Well, that's just, yeah, that's one way. But it's probably the narrowest, least likely to happen. It could happen for a season, But is it going to be this lifelong, like, walk next to her forever kind of situation? No, because, you know, we all need multiple people in our lives. The body of Christ, we we, uh, disciple one another through sharpening one another. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We are supposed to, as the body of Christ, impact one another through our gifts, through our strengths, even through our weaknesses, we challenge each other. And sometimes that happens in an ultra-formal setting where you're being asked specific questions, and that's okay. 
But then there's all these informal times or or maybe even with people you've never met. You know, I'm reading a book and the author technically is discipling me. I mean, have you ever read an Elizabeth Elliot book and not been discipled by her? Mary Farrar, even secular books. You know, I've been reading books that are fiction and God will use them to shape my heart, to remind me of scripture. Then there's women at church that I've never hung out with, really, but I've watched them from afar and been impacted. Or I've heard them make a comment that has just really rocked a paradigm I had. So do I need to meet with them every week? No, I don't. I can take those opportunities that God has put in my path, walk forward, you know, with whatever wisdom that they've offered me. And then it said parental, which I thought was really funny because, yeah, of course, I'm always aiming to disciple my own children. I say always. Sometimes I'm just really lazy as a mom. But ideally, okay, at my best, on my best days, I am seeking to disciple my children. But what I've found the most refining. Yes, all of those formal, informal, online books, peers, but the most refining moments of my life have been through my husband and through my children, meaning they are discipling me. Probably unintentionally, I don't think they have a list of my strengths and weaknesses and they're just moving down it systematically. Okay, so Lana is a bit selfish let's work on that. And here's the thing that I'm going to talk with her about. And these are the scriptures when I go over. And here's a list of questions that I can use to, you know, prod her along and help her see how selfish she is. And um, we're going to make sure that um, we work on this together, you know, and I'm going to pray with her about her selfish attitude and blah, blah, blah. No, they're probably not that systematic and organized about it. But man, does God Show me my selfishness through my husband and my kids. They don't even try to show it to me. It's just part of living with people, I think. So God disciples us just through our circumstance. And that's probably what that is. God just uses whoever you're in front of, whoever you live with, whoever you're around the most often. And maybe even just outside of family uses, you know, work circumstances or the circumstances of our country or the world or your community or whatever it is to disciple our hearts. Okay, so some of the things that have really struck me from this scripture in Titus 2, besides the fact that I tend to think, oh, I'm the younger woman. Where's my mentor? You know, where's my discipler? And then I've realized, well, I've had a lot of discipleship actually from the Lord and in all different kinds of areas. So there's no reason to feel like, oh, I'm not being discipled. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking truth to our hearts. And as I read scripture, you know, what more do I really need but God? So that's, it can be an idol discipleship can be. So I've just learned hey, you know, God is really meeting all of my spiritual needs in in many different ways. Besides the fact that I have always thought of myself as the younger woman, I've now realized that I'm both the older and the younger. I mean, welcome to middle-aged, where you get to be both older and younger at the same time. I'm going to pick younger today, right? I think I was very struck by 
why do I do these things? You know, do I do them just because I know it's the right thing to do? You know, I'm supposed to love my children, love my husband, be kind, be pure, have self-control, not get drunk, you know, teach good things, not gossip. I mean, all that stuff sounds like the right thing to do. You know, Philippians 4.8 has a list of, of things you're supposed to be thinking about. So, of course, that's going to impact my behavior. But why do I really do any of this stuff? And it really hadn't occurred to me that the reason that I would do any of this is it's at the end of verse 5, so that God's message will not be slandered. Slandering God, that's a pretty big offense. And I don't, I mean, do I want his word to be taken seriously or not? Do I want people that see my life to believe God's good? To use my life as an excuse not to believe? To use my life as an excuse to say, well, the Christian life, you know, it's really, it's whatever you want to make it. You know, it doesn't have to be this or that. You know, you can, you can be like, a woman pastor and just kind of do whatever. You can be a Beth Moore and still be following Christ. Mm, no, no, you can't. Like, this is a command. They're not suggestions. It's not friendly advice. Now, the older women encourage the younger women to be these things. Because why? Because we don't want God's word to be slandered. And when women step outside of this, when wives... And women and moms step outside of this zone, Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. When we step outside this zone and we have all the justifications for it, all of the um, maybe even scriptures to like pull out and use as a weapon against God's word. I mean, just think about that. If the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Do we use that weapon against other verses in the Bible? Or do we use that weapon to fight the enemy, you know, the prince of darkness? Do we use the Bible to fight the Bible? No, our offensive weapon, Scripture, is used to fight the lies that we're presented with about ourselves, about the world, about Christ, about people around us, about reality. We want to stand on the truth. And so when we see a verse like this, especially the submissive to their own husbands, because I know that's the part that literally really gets under the fingernails of some women. It's like a splinter under their fingernail. And they're like, I got to get this out of here. No, we don't need to get away from this. We need to face up to this. And I struggle. I struggle with this sin of not being submissive not being respectful a lot. And God is constantly putting his finger on this. And why does he care? Well, he doesn't want God's message. God doesn't want God's message to be slandered. Yeah, he would like me to have a productive God-honoring marriage. But why? So that his message will not be slandered. Our only purpose in life is really to glorify him. I mean, what's Westminster's catechism say? What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Ultimately, to glorify God. And yes, to enjoy him, that's great too. I don't mean to diminish that, but the part I'm focusing on is God's message will not be slandered when we are glorifying him. And part of that is 
the way that we treat our husbands, the way that we submit, it is actually a beautiful voluntary thing. It's the same, uh, the same word helper or helpmate fit for him in Genesis is the same word used of the Holy Spirit that he will send, God will send a helper to us. So God uses that word helper, helpmate to describe himself. It's a beautiful word meant to be um, a wonderful role. So I know this, but I don't feel like it's this beautiful thing. Oftentimes I feel like I am hindered by it. And why is that exactly? Why do I feel hindered by something that's supposed to be voluntary and beautiful? And I just rack my brain sometimes. Like, But really it comes down to something really simple. It doesn't feel beautiful to say no to me, to say no to myself, and yes to the preferences of someone else. Yes to the decisions of someone else, even someone I love. But I want to do what I want to do. And it really does come down to that. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, because my way is better, right? Like I understand my way of thinking. I understand my lingo. And when someone comes against that in any way, even if it sounds like semantics, my guard goes up and then I can use scripture to combat scripture. And instead of being in a submissive role, in a loving my husband role, I just want to fight the Bible with the Bible, you know, use the sword of the spirit against the sword of the spirit. And what, how is that even productive? It's not. So, okay, I've shared enough about Titus 2 for now. So now I just wanted to share something that I heard a mom say. And I, I don't know the context. So there could be many, many reasons as to why she said this. And it was probably on an ultra frustrating day. And we've all had those. She said, instead of a babysitter, she wants to hire a baby goer. And she, she went on to explain. So instead of the babysitter coming over to her house... So she had to leave. She wanted the baby, quote, baby goer to come in, take her children as far away from her as she could take them so that she could sit down and do whatever she wanted at home by herself in her own uh, clothes that she wanted to wear without having to get dressed up, without having to like kind of prepare herself for leaving the house. She just wanted to like binge on whatever show, watch whatever movie she wanted, drink and eat whatever she wanted basically indulge all her creature comforts, you know, and that temptation is in all of us. I mean, I don't put myself in a position and say, oh, I would never do that. Never feel that way. There are times whenever escape seems like the easiest thing to do, you know, like I've got a lock on my door or my bathroom and I'm just going to go in there and just take a little extra long to do basic things like go to the bathroom or get dressed or get, I'm getting ready for my day, you know, but really I'm just kind of delaying facing the music, facing my duties and my greatest joy being with my family sometimes feels like a duty or a chore if my mind is not on my purpose, which is to not allow God's message to be slandered, glorifying God. And that doesn't mean that I never get to enjoy something separate from my family. 
and that only family can bring me joy. I mean, we all know that's not true. There's many, many joys out there, including being in um, a solitary place. Nothing wrong with doing something apart from your family. I mean, I'm sitting here apart from my family right now talking to you, so, and I'm enjoying it. But my point is, we can create boundaries in our lives, you know, where we have space. You know, I talk to my husband, I try to um, talk to my husband about if I just need some time by myself, then I want to feel comfortable just asking for that time. Sometimes it feels like a weakness to need that for me because I like productivity. I like to do what looks good. I like to do the right thing, which means taking care of the kids and my husband all the time and never leaving the house, not looking like I don't like family time. But sometimes I do just need a mental break, you know, a nap or a walk outside or go to a cough shop by myself Whatever it is, it's okay for me to ask for that, but sometimes it feels like a weakness to ask, and so I struggle with that a little bit. But all in all, it's okay to set boundaries around family and take some time off by yourself occasionally. But I'm not talking about healthy boundaries. I'm just talking about that attitude that this mom had of like, just get everybody away from me. Like she had, to get to that point, she had allowed her frustrations to grow over time and she was hitting the ceiling. It's like critical mass. Okay, get me out of here or get my children out of here so I can have some me time. And I think enjoying that kind of creature comfort, that luxury of just doing whatever I want for a period of time, it really can be a negative place to go. Because we're not feeding our souls or feeding our mind during that time. We're just totally indulging in whatever the flesh is desiring at that time. And that's a, that's a scary place to go. So what I like to do, and so this is the last thing I'll share, is what I like to do is instead of just do whatever knee-jerk thing pops in my mind when I finally get that like alone space time, or when, you know, I, I ask for a set-aside time, I have a list of go-to things. Things that I know I'm going to feel good about. They're things that are going to feed my soul, or they're going to give me rest, or whatever. I have a nice little list of those. And if you want to go back and listen to the four uh, things that make me sane episode, that might help you, like, think about um, how to order your day if you're into that. But Basically, you got to have a list of things to go to because otherwise indulging the flesh is going to happen. What was it I did the other day? I uh, very slowly throughout like a couple day period watched a Hallmark movie and whatever. If you like Hallmark movies, like God bless you, but I do not like Hallmark movies, but I just wanted to totally watch a sappy love story. No offense if you love Hallmark again, but Hallmark movies are what they're ultra predictable. They have this like sappy uh, love story that is so not realistic and these kind of like passionate moments that are just a little hard to stomach sometimes. But, you know, I indulged and I knew for me that would be indulging. For some people, they watch Hallmark and maybe they're just like, oh, that's so sweet. I love it. But for me, I watch Hallmark and I'm just like, kind of 
grow dissatisfied at the end. And so I have to be real careful about those kind of romance movies because they, they leave me with a discontentment if I'm not careful. And so what can I do whenever I find space that's not going to stir the pot of my flesh, that's not going to stir the pot of my discontentedness or my envy or comparison or just self-pity or whatever it is that Satan likes to plague you with. I mean, he plagues me with, you know, you're not a fun mom and you, um, you're too serious and goodness knows I need to have a little bit more fun in my life. That's why um, my husband is a fantastic partner for me because he definitely brings the fun in ways that <laughs> I just don't. Okay. It's like I can have fun with him. Thank goodness he is fun. But all that to say, I want to be careful. I want to be careful about how I spend those in-between moments. I want to have this go-to ready list of things that I know will be life-giving to me and will encourage me to walk um, in a way that glorifies the Lord. So what's on your list? You know, what kind of things do you go for? I'd love to hear from you over on Facebook or Instagram. Tell me like what it is that you like doing that feeds your soul. What are the kind of things that when you have a moment, man, I wish I did more of this or I wish I did more of that. Well, write the list down and start doing it. I'd love to know what's on your list. So as we go forward into this week, remember that we don't want to be that mom that was like, get these kids away from me. Get my family out of my hair so I can just do whatever I want. Like we don't want to be that selfish kind of lady. We want to be a lady that glorifies the Lord, creates healthy boundaries, and then um, has a go-to list of things that are going to feed our souls. And for me lately, a lot of that has been, besides reading scripture, it's been reading books, taking walks outside, taking a short 10 to 15 minute nap, or reading aloud to my kids. Truly, I really love reading aloud. I feel like the most accomplished person in the entire universe when I read aloud to my children. They love it. I love it. It's just life-giving for everyone. I have no idea why, but it's just this sweet spot. And so I wonder what your sweet spots are. Looking at this week, I'd love for you to just write down a couple of ideas because I need more of those. And it would be fun to just compile a list of things that different women find life-giving. So I will put a post up on Facebook and you can come over and comment over there if you are so inclined. And I hope you have a fantastic week. Keep swimming upstream. Keep pushing against that tide, that tide that tells you, oh yeah, moms are just reactive. We just worry all the time. We just are full of worry and fear and regret. That's just part of being a mom. No, it is not. That is not the life that God has created us to live. He did not create us to worry. He created us to depend on him and to receive his peace whenever we interact with him through prayer. So have a fantastic week. Bye.